What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, Elon Musk reveals Twitter cash flow negative. Pretty funny. He's still 200 bill, and it's like, ah, this damn thing. After three years of studying Musk, the man up close, Walter Isaacson offers his insight. He's adding engineering features even as he stirs up the contentiousness that I think scares away some advertisers. What Elon Musk's biographer calls the Tesla chief's demon mode. I'm more impressed with him as an engineer. I think that he does not have a fingertip feel for empathy emotions. More on social media pitfalls, pulling at threads, and a surprise commodity catching headlines. What? Wheat. Wheat. If you say so. Plus, the actors strike in full swing, but so is the summer box office. I can't wait to watch this. I can't either. What's this freedom thing? People like, it's like all controversial. Oh, the sound of freedom. Sound of freedom. That's the sound of music. How about Barbie? It's Monday, July 17th, 2023. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. It's really a we. Yay. It's us. Whole gang is here. We, 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 we. And here's something we've never said, I don't think, have we? I think we have not. (laughs) Uh, Check out uh, the move in wheat prices this morning. In what? Wheat. Wheat. Uh, Okay. Uh, The Kremlin. You say so. uh, Saying that Russia's halting uh, the deal that allows the export of Ukrainian grain. That deal, which was brokered a year ago, now aimed to alleviate a global food crisis by allowing Ukraine grain uh, blocked by Russia-Ukraine conflict to be safely exported. So you're looking now at wheat up over 3%. We knew this deal was coming to an end, but you still see it playing out. I mean... I used to trade the, the, those. Is that up 20 cents at $6.82 a bushel? Is that what we're talking about? I, it's been I mean, a while since I've looked at commodities. <laughs> we haven't talked about wheat. If we you, haven't talked about corn. Right, we but if you couldn't do the percentage move, what would you have said? And you were in a commodities broker, and I'm barely. Yeah. I think that's it. I think it's $6.82. Bringing me back to trade. But I'm not prices. even. I, could, I, I may be yep. totally wrong on that. I think that's what it is. I think it's six eighty two a bushel. Which is, uh, still seems like a pretty good deal. You think of a bushel and what you think $6. What were they, tra- so. what were they trading in, in trading places? Uh, uh, OJ Futures. OJ, OJ Futures. OJ Futures, Futures, but then there was a bushel of something at one point. They were, they were, doing, be- they were doing bellies, which don't pork trade bellies. in. Pork bellies. Right. And pork those bellies. I don't think, uh, it's for bacon. Right. So it's important. It's an, it's an important one commodity. One bushel equals 60 pounds of wheat. Is it really six dollars? About a million. Is it really? If I got that right, is it really? I don't remember. And Microsoft and Sony signing a deal to keep its Call of Duty franchise on PlayStation consoles after closing the Activision Blizzard acquisition. The 10-year agreement ensures that the game will remain on Sony's consoles after fears that Microsoft would make certain games, certain names of its games, exclusive to its own Xbox. 
Microsoft President Brad Smith tweeting that the company, in his words, will remain focused on ensuring that Call of Duty remains available on more platforms and for more consumers than ever before. And note he tweeted it. He didn't thread it, I don't think. Though I should <laughs> probably check the thread. No one's thread threading. Feed. That's like down 100% or something. It's down a little bit. You know, the party <laughs> in the beginning was, was felt hot. Yeah. Now it's sort of, they need to yeah. get some more features going. See, I'm glad I didn't. I don't need more. Waste my time. I, I, no, I, I don't either. I don't need any more. No. Oh, I think that if they figure it slip. out, if they, if they add some features, I mean, the problem was that they sort of launched without all, you can't search the text, you can't nope. search the, the threads. Oh, they don't have hashtags. I mean, there's a whole sort of bunch of, Sort of just basic features if you're trying to match Twitter, you know, pound just to maneuver, pound. Just maneuverability, basically. But it may, I think, you know, in the next couple of weeks they might have it. And I think that there's a, there seems to actually be a lot of people doing it. So we'll see. I don't know. And you were right with me. No, I slipped. Remember I told you I wasn't. Yeah. I can't. How long did it take? It took a slipped few Slipped on days. what? A, a I banana slipped peel? About, what are we talking no, about? No, I slipped on not tweet. responding to, to just total. To mean oh. people. Well. Mother, just you know, some of the ones I just I really, say, some Joe, of the ones I really don't the like. Why um, you, you might like, you might like. Threads. I interviewed Buttigieg. You should right. see the fanboys yes, that come out the, when you interview. But Mayor everybody's oh my very God. nice on threads. Well, that's what you said. I don't want so nice. nice. I don't want nice. Well, I don't it's want the difference nice. between being at the beginning of a party when everybody's nice <laughs> and being at, at the party late night when right. it gets a little rowdy. Exactly. So, um, but you shouldn't go. It's almost like um, any addiction. You know, you shouldn't go to slippery places. Like, if you're an alcoholic, you probably shouldn't be hanging out oh, in a bar. At, at a bar. It's a slippery True. place. Yeah. So if I'm worried about slipping and responding, stop, stop I, I should probably stop, stop looking. looking. Stop looking. Okay. We're going we're to get you. There's a program that... What can, can I do? Is there a 12-step program? You no, know, there's, a, there's a program First we can put on your computer. First, I have to admit that there's a higher power. We know there's a computer. There's a program on your computer which you can use to block certain programs. So you can say, I don't want to do... I have to admit there's a higher power. Who is that? Elon Musk? I think well, I need to admit that. Well, why don't you, why don't you call him uh, or tweet at him? Uh, we have some new insights, though, on Twitter this morning on a particular on its financial performances coming directly from Elon Musk. In a tweet over the weekend, Musk, who serves as the platform's CTO, uh, telling followers the company's cash flow remains negative due to a 50 percent drop in advertising revenue on top of a heavy debt load. Disclosure revealing that uh, Musk has thus far fallen far short of his prediction back in March that Twitter would reach cash flow positive by June, he did say that advertising was picking up in the month of July. Of course, um, Linda Acarino mm -hmm. showed up, I want to think, in the end of May or early June. Uh, so she's just she hasn't had that much time to get going. Why, why we'll is he see. telling people? I mean, it's a public it's not a publicly traded company. It's a private. He doesn't company, have to. So why no. tell anybody? You know, anything? it's pretty funny, though, because he's. Some people, he's still 200 bill, and it's like, ah, this damn thing is, yeah, cash so, flow negative. I don't think it's like, it probably doesn't keep him up at night, but uh, I'm sure it's gotta he, be, it's he wants annoying. Linda to fix it. And yeah, I, it's got to be annoying. And if you're Linda, I think that you're like, I've really got something I can sink my teeth into. If I, needs, I can make a difference here. He needs to get to cash flow positive, otherwise yeah. it becomes, I well, mean, no, he, look, he can run this thing forever. Worth, right, keeps then, then he'd be worth stop. 195, then he'd be worth 190 billion, then he'd be worth. Yeah, but do you want yeah, to do that? No, you don't, but I think he really thinks that he's doing a service to mankind. I do think he believes that, and I, and I agree with him. You so. think he's frustrated, though? Of course he is. Like, how could you not be? It's not keeping him from 
you know, doing measurements, uh, okay. you know, and all matter. that. Kind. Put yourself in the same position. Yeah, but he would stop doing that stuff. If he was that worried about it, he would not be himself. And he's going to be himself. And he said over the weekend, I saw something that said, Twitter allows you to be yourself, which in some of our cases is not a great thing. But it does, you have the freedom to do that. You have the freedom to, it took him a while to get this it. truck out, too, yeah. which is when I see one on the road, I'm gonna, I may, you know, you may just stop and stare because they're so bizarre looking. Well, Are Joe's talking about the cyber, truck. the cyber truck. Tesla actually building its first cyber truck at its plant in Austin, Texas, after shortages in sourcing components caused a two year production delay. Elon Musk telling shareholders back in May that Tesla would like to produce 250,000 Cybertrucks a year, depending on demand, giving the company a leg up on EV pickups from the likes of Ford and Rivian, and Tesla shares up by about 1.6%. And uh, yeah, go on. Oh. oh, is that you? Oh, Andrew, sorry. Yeah, it just so happens. Oh, you know what? To be the case. In here, it's different on the look at the rundown. The rundown. I'm following the rundown the, uh, that says JK. So, but let's you go uh, let's say what Barry Diller said over the weekend. Uh, IAC and Expedia chairman Barry Diller warning of the effects of the Hollywood strike. The former Paramount Pictures CEO saying that the dual writers actor strikes will lead to what he's calling devastating effects. If not settled soon, Diller also saying that failure to reach an agreement will result in a drop in streaming subscriptions and that revenue will also be down and that he doesn't see an agreement being reached anytime soon. Here's what he told CBS's Face the Nation. This is a huge business, both domestically exactly. and for world, for world export. These conditions will potentially produce an absolute collapse of an entire industry. Diller also saying that AI is overhyped to death when it comes to the impact it will have on writers and actors' job. And of course, we're going to talk a lot more about the strikes, AI, and more. We're going to do that with Walter Isaacson. But I was going to say that Barry sort of talked about this sort of doom loop idea that once you get into a situation where the streaming subscriptions come down, if you believe that that's the case because people sort of run out of new stuff that they want, mm -hmm. that provides less revenue, that provides less money to then go produce new programs. Yeah. And so that you get into this sort of, you know, spiral that, that really makes it very difficult. And the question is sort of when all of that were come to fruition. Netflix probably has the best opportunity well, that's what just I mean, given how much content they have on the platform in terms of new stuff that they'll be able to show you. And then, of course, it gets more and more complicated as you get farther and well, farther out. The other big competition they have, though, is stuff that's being self-generated on TikTok and YouTube. Yeah, I, know that that's I couldn't watch too. Breaking Bad again. I mean, I, that's the thing that's different. That's where streaming sort of, we may not need, I might not need new content for a couple of years. No, no, no. But I think there's a lot of people who are going to. I've, hit, I've seen people arguing to watch the Rockford Files again and again sure, and again. Then instead of having, if you have four or five of these things, you might say, okay. And by the way, also, you got, well, we got to figure out where you think the economy is. If you think there's some kind of recession, too. And people say, then, you okay, know, you know what, I'm going to tighten my belt. Already I'll go down right. to two streamers for the next two months or three months, watch whatever they got, then I'll really rotate. It just, it changes the dynamics of the whole thing. Well, we, and if you have consumers changing their behavior, that's the big thing. Right. Do you win them back? This is not when the movie industry, AMC, this is not what they need because it's been a tough slog mm. through the pandemic. They didn't have any content, they didn't have any movies, they were already down and now on top of everything else. But no one's accusing actors of knowing, you know, necessarily the economics of a situation. But this is the last thing that that industry needed. Cheese will be next. 
Coming up, Walter Isaacson, the famed biographer of Steve Jobs, Albert Einstein, Leonardo da Vinci, and Ben Franklin, speaks out on his latest subject, yep, Elon Musk. When you get up very close to a person, as I have for the past three years with him, you understand that person. He has a demon mode that is destructive. Plus, up close and personal with innovators, how Isaacson views artificial intelligence. Technology has been disrupting jobs. It disrupted the jobs of the weavers in England when the looms came in, and the followers of Ned Ludd started smashing them and became known as Luddites. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. We're back. This is Squawk Pod. Up and Andrew, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. The gang is all together. Twitter owner Elon Musk revealing over the weekend that the social media company is still cash flow negative. In a tweet, Musk said that's thanks to a 50% drop in ad revenue and a heavy debt load. The latest potential threat to Twitter has come in the form of Meta's threads. It quickly gained 100 million users, but it's also facing questions about its potential staying power. Joining us uh, is Musk biographer Walter Isaacson, that book coming out um, in September. He's also a partner uh, or at Perella Weinberg, a professor at Tulane University, a CNBC contributor, so much more. We want to talk about that, AI, and about 100 other things, but it's so nice to see you. It's great to see you. So let's, let's talk about this news over the weekend. We were actually discussing why, why did he put that out there, you think? Well, first of all, he's impulsive. He will tweet anything right. that's in his head. And his, you know, his management of Twitter has been because he really loves it and he loves putting out impulsive tweets and he loves the contentiousness of it. You know, right. His favorite line in a movie is, are you not entertained? That final line of the gladiator. And that's what's distinguishing Twitter for better and for worse against right. things like uh, threads. So what is, do you know what his take is on threads at this point? He finds it boring. Uh-huh. And does he... He may find it boring. Does he find it nerve-wracking in terms of no, I mean, thinking I, about I, it as a genuine competitor? Or does he say, you know what, this is a flash in the pan. It doesn't have the, look, we were talking about it earlier. It doesn't have the, the feature set yet at all to really compete with Twitter in terms of on a, you know, just daily thing. In terms, of, it doesn't have hashtags. You can't search it. I mean, Twitter as a product, the, the sort of technology underlying it is just, you know, heads and shoulders better. The question is whether people find the conversation on Twitter better, worse than, than what's happening well, on threads right more now. It's contentious right, right now on Twitter. But you're right. There are more features. And for three or four years, Twitter 
rarely added features. One of the things in my book that I try to explain is he gets rid of 80% of the engineers. Right. And yet every night he's sitting there adding a feature, like put up video, be right. able to rewind video, be able to have you know spaces work so right. that there's all sorts of talk shows each night. So he's adding engineering features even as he stirs up the contentiousness right. that I think uh, scares away some advertisers. I'm just trying to understand sort of where he thinks and what the company thinks about the competition. He loves this is competition. Really the, I mean, but this, this is, is really like, the first time there's ever been genuine competition. I mean, Blue Sky and all these other, these other, these other companies admit, haven't been able to. You thought Blue Sky was probably going to do better than it did. Excuse me? I, I bet you you thought Blue Sky I didn't, was good. No, because I, I mean, what I'm thinking that's so interesting about this is the network effect issue. What about Clubhouse? Mm -hmm. Did you think Clubhouse would Clubhouse, I didn't <laughs> think would actually last because I thought that it was sort of a hot moment. We were all in stuck at home, everybody wanted to, to and, and then I actually thought that Twitter, actually with spaces, could actually make a, and I think they I, have. I think Musk likes competition. I think competition is good for Twitter, and I think that uh, it's gonna right. force he, him to add more features. Does he care about losing money? Huh? Does he care about losing money and having to keep paying? You know, out? I don't think that his biggest motivating right. fact is no, the amount of cash No, but does he get annoying after a while? Is it like a nap that he just like... No one likes to lose money. No, but I, that's what I mean. Is he's it, doing God's work. He's so doing, I think he thinks irritating. he is. I think that if he wanted to make money, he wouldn't have bought Twitter. Exactly. He wouldn't have sent rockets to Mars. He did it for he us. He probably wouldn't do electric vehicles. He's not mainly... I mean, this is the theme of the book is... There are a lot right. of weird he did things it for us. and I demons ask, and drives I, I, that motivate you, them, but money isn't number one. You got your Dodge answer ready, I'm sure, for this one. So, oh God, uh, you um, you have a relationship with Elon, and you're you know obviously you're writing a book. I'm a biographer of him. That's I'm what not, I mean. I, mean, I think that that if you were not doing that, I think you be, might be much tougher on him just from where you stand on a lot of different Wait till you read the book and you'll figure out how But I in general, when we ask you, you give him the benefit of the doubt a lot here, and I wonder if that's because you're, you're conflicted because you're close to him in writing a book about him. Or I he's finished with the book. He can, he, can, he can say what I'm he wants at this point. Look, when you get up very close to a person, as I have for the past three years with him, you understand that person better. You understand the motivation. All of his faults that the, that and, the left likes and to point out so much. And a lot of faults, and okay. he has a demon mode that he does. is destructive. But and that just, is it, the question right. when you write a biography, though, is how do you take the dark threads and realize that you can't just pull them out? That he wouldn't be who he is without both demon mode and uh, his drive. And by the way, how? Are you more impressed with him after spending that much time? I'm more impressed with him as an engineer. I think that he does not have a fingertip feel for, you know, uh, empathy, emotions. I want to I want to uh, pivot on topics in just a moment, but Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. This cage fight situation. Does this make any sense to you? Do you think I think we're watching the cage fight. I no, think no. it's a metaphor, no pun intended, for the meta fight with uh, but, Twitter, but, but we're not going to go but to does, the Coliseum. But does Elon really want to do it? I mean, I think that Mark no, Zuckerberg really so. does. And I'll, I'll be honest, I have two sons Look, who are they, twins who think of both of these guys as their heroes. And it is not good if you're in my family. I don't, I, I, in a civilized society, I don't want them fighting. But, but Look, do you, when I think it was his 30th birthday party, Tallulah Riley, who was married to then, the British actress, and they put on sort of a Japanese pageant somewhere. And part of it was a sumo wrestler. And typical of Elon Musk, he could not help jumping in the <laughs> ring with the sumo wrestler, trying to throw him. 
And he threw out a couple of discs, and he's had three operations since. Right, I don't want he this guy. He's not going to go, I don't think, I don't want him getting a hurt. cage match. I don't want either of them getting hurt, to be honest with you. And what about your kids? And I, no, I don't want my kids <laughs> thinking this is you know, the way to resolve problems. Let's just switch gears for a second, talk about AI. Uh, you, you had a, a fascinating op-ed, but we've been talking about this strike that's going on in mm -hmm. Hollywood right now. And there's a real concern that... AI is going to take writers' jobs. I, of course, am sympathetic Correct. to this. Do you think that is real, true, overhyped, underhyped? It is take? real and true, and it's amusing to me, I should say. Uh -huh. Putting that? yourself into the category. Okay. That for more than 200 years since the advent of the Industrial Revolution, technology has been disrupting jobs. Yes. It disrupted the jobs of the weavers in England when the looms came in, and the followers of Ned Ludd started smashing them and became known as Luddites. Now, suddenly, technology is disrupting jobs the, the of white people collar job, like right. you, yes. who are writers and deal with large language model type uh, products. And yes, it's going to be disruptive. But suddenly, this is a whole new thing. And it's not blue collar workers who are getting disrupted. It's writers getting disrupted. Well, it's going to happen because AI is going to increase the productivity of writers, but right. also replace some of what writers do. What about, what about all three of us? Meaning, you're starting to see video mm -hmm. that AI is able to produce. You type in a script, the script in this teleprompter, mm -hmm. and you, you take our images, and all of a sudden you can move our lips mm -hmm. and maybe get our voice going. I mean, is that how far away from that? I think about 10 years. 10 years? Yeah, we'll be all right. Okay. That, that's all we got, though, <laughs> yeah. 10 years. No, you, I mean, you, look, you I think for the next 30, right? got to look for what a human 25. can do better. 25? Well, it sounds like you only got 10. My window's <laughs> wide open. I'm going to keep using that. Look, it forces you to think of what do we bring into the party here. Right. Well, what know, are we bringing? What is it to be human the anymore? creativity that we're bringing to the party. Uh, a human the empathy last, that we talked about we're, before. We're, we're the last stand. We're the last. We're going to be here when a lot of other things have fallen by the wayside, Sorkin. I want I, you to, but maybe not for your, you know, for you. We can only hope. Yeah. It is true that writers, especially, I mean, I was reading on Twitter, people who are using generative AI to say, right. okay, write me a script for this or that. And they're somewhat surprised about how good the scripts are. This doesn't mean they'll totally replace writers, but it means that a writing right. room of 10 people can be a writing room of two people. Okay, so therefore, if that is the case, when you think about transitions, and you've studied yeah. all sorts of transitions and some of the great innovators of our time that have actually created technologies that have uh, yeah. needed or required the transition, there can be an economic impact. And the question is, what do you do about it? You think about Sam Altman, for example, who's put together OpenAI and uh, ChatGPT. He's talked about universal basic income. Is that something that you think is, you know, in the offing? Look, Sam Altman and Elon Musk about 10 years ago started OpenAI because uh, Elon Musk goes upstairs at a party into a closet with some friends trying to stop Google from being able to buy DeepMind, something mm -hmm. that's the first large language model and the first deep learning model. He goes into a closet? Well, they're because they're trying to see, they want to make a phone call and it's a okay. party and they go upstairs and he's become, having talked to Demis Hassabas, frightened about what AI can do, not just to replace humans, but to leave them behind. To, and so he he creates Neuralink, which is right. a chip in the brain that allows you to connect to your computer. He creates OpenAI with Sam Altman. So he's been very concerned about AI not being aligned with human values.
go back to the transition part, the economic transition. Yeah. So if you if you history. are the writers right now, or yeah. you're the actors, and you are the or you're you want to you could be the studio head. How, how do you make that deal work in an environment where you have a group of people who think they're about to lose their job, and you have another side, by the way, that thinks they're losing money actually right now, given the economics of streaming. How, how does that, how do you make that work? Well, you can only sort of rail against the tides like King Canute for a certain amount of time, and then AI is going to come. Never in human history has the advent of technology actually reduced the total number of jobs. Right. It just disrupted certain jobs, whether they're buggy whip makers or elevator operators or people making cars on an right. assembly line. Now it's going to happen to riders. It's inevitable. You're going to have to make a deal that I hope doesn't restrict the advance of technology. You may have to pay people more, but in return, you're going to have to say you have to be able to adopt technology. That has Walter, happened that, in every That industry. is a recipe for a very long strike in Hollywood, it sounds like. You know what? It may be. But if they continue to say that long strike, you might have people creating content without them given AI. So there is an incentive to say, let's figure this out. But the, you think the pressure is on the writer's side of things? Get back or you're well, going to be made Well, there's a lot of pressure on the studios as well. And, you know, they're losing right. money. You had a, I mean, y'all did an interview with Iger that right. was pretty convincing. Final question, Cybertruck finally coming off uh, the uh, yeah, production a, line. <laughs> have you been in one? Oh, yeah, sure. And I have. Well, there's a wonderful scene, which I do in the book, which is about six years ago, when he's sitting there with his designer, Franz von Holzhausen, and they're looking at a Ford truck, and he said, no, these things are boring. It's just like Twitter. Right. It's like he doesn't like to be bored. And he puts up things from movies, from sci-fi, from video games, and says, I want it like that. And everybody's pushing back on him at this meeting. Telling and him he no. finally says, yeah, stop it. We're going to do it. We're going to make it edgy. So I think Cybertruck, I mean, it's, it, it's I mean, it looks awesome. It does look awesome. I don't know. Uh, I don't know who's got, I mean, I'm not the type who would buy something just to make a statement coming down the road, but I think a lot of people like it. Walter Isaacson, it is always great to see you. We appreciate Good it. Good to see you, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Joe? Next on Squawk Pod, an expected blockbuster movie falls short at the box office. What? Impossible. It's happened at least nine times, Tom Cruise has saved the world, so I'll be thanking for that. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Joe Kernan. Hollywood actors may be on strike, but theaters are still open. Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Wow, I guess there's going to be another one. Topped the weekend box office with $56 million. And despite great reviews, that was below expectations. And it was behind the opening weekend for the last Mission Impossible film in 2018. The new installment cost uh, close to $300 million uh, to make. And this would be another one. Little do we know how close the world is to absolute 
Armageddon a lot. Uh, and we don't even know what times have we seen this? But, but we don't know what's going on, obviously, behind the scenes. And that there are people like this that uh, the reason that we're here today, awake and alive and everything else, behind the scenes this is happening. It's happened at least nine times Tom Cruise has saved the world. So uh, we thank him for that. I, I still wait. I can't wait to watch this. Thing. I can't either. Why isn't that, it? That's stunt. And I don't really want to see Oppenheimer that much. I love oh, Killian. I, I love Killian, whatever his name is, uh, Murphy. Yeah. I don't know about what's this freedom thing. People, like, it's like all controversial. Sound of freedom. Oh, the or sound something? of freedom. Sound I, of freedom. I saw Sound of Music. How about Barbie? This one's about Barbie. I, you know, I, I think Margot Robbie's amazing. Did you see Babylon? Ever? Did you finally see that? Yeah. Amazing. Was You're it? gonna go see Barbie. Amazing. No, I'm not going to go see Barbie. I'm not going <laughs> to go see I Barbie. Do. I don't know if I'm going to see Oppenheimer. I'm going to see Mission I Impossible. See Oppenheimer. You do? Yeah. It's a kind of a serious <laughs> subject, is it not? Kind of bring you to, yeah. S- serious subject. Kind of bring you down to um, earth a little. Made by made by our parent company. And, and, okay, I'm going to see it. Christopher and Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. That's the pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Follow us on Twitter. The show's handle is Squawk CNBC. You can tweet us any thoughts or comments there as well. Twitter allows you to be yourself, which in some of our cases is not a great thing. To get the best of Squawk Box, the smartest moments, the jokes, the guests, right into your ears, Follow Squawk Pod wherever you listen. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.